do want to welcome those who are visiting with us this morning. We have a number of families, families of those either who have joined the church or who've been baptized this morning. Welcome to Greenwood Presbyterian Church, as well as any other visitors that are here this morning. This morning is a special morning because of the things we've just done together, the things that we've seen, the things that we've witnessed together. It's also a morning that we're beginning a new series, a new sermon series, and this will be our fall series that will carry us to Thanksgiving and into Advent, into the Christmas season. And so for the next 10 or 11 weeks, we're going to have a series on the church, trying to look to Scripture to help each of us understand what is the church and what in the world is God doing in the church and through the church. Or really, what in the world is God doing in you? And what does he seek to do through you in the world? And so this morning... This isn't where I normally would start, though it is a logical starting place. But given our baptisms this morning, I thought we should have at least a word about baptism. What it means to be marked for life, to be marked by God as a member of his church for life. And so the two passages which we'll focus on, and there are many passages that we'll hear this morning, but the two primary ones... Genesis chapter 17, verse 7, and Acts chapter 2, verses 36 to 39. So give your attention to God's word. The Lord said, I will establish my covenant as an everlasting covenant between me and you and your descendants after you for the generations to come, to be your God and the God of your descendants after you. And then in Acts chapter 2, Therefore let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. And when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter replied, Repent. And be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and for your children. And for all who are far off. For all whom the Lord our God will call. Let's pray that God would open our eyes to see the wonders of what he has done. Our Father in heaven, would you open our eyes and would you soften our hearts? Would you unstop our ears that we might see and know and believe your covenant love and the many mercies that are offered to us in Christ Jesus? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So, because we have these extra events happening this morning, you will not get a three-point sermon. You will get a two-point sermon. My intention, was, uh, my intention was for this to be a briefer homily, but there is no promise that that will be true. I might just say more about two things, since I don't have three things for you this morning. But the first point, very simple, very clear, it is this. 
we're discussing the church according to Scripture. The first thing I would say is that the church is the ecclesia of God. Ecclesia is the Greek word in the New Testament for the church, and it simply means the called out ones. The ones who were called out of the world, the ones who were called from sin, the ones who were called out by the Lord. To be called out from the world. The Lord has always done this. In Old Covenant and New Covenant, the Lord has always been the initiator of a call. Calling a people to himself. In Genesis chapter 12, the call of Abraham. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation. And I will bless you. And I will make your name great so that you will be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you. And him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And you remember the call of Abram, that he was to leave everything he knew, everything he loved, his land, his people. And God said, leave and I will make you a blessing. And I will give you more people. I will use you in the world, in the earth, to bless the earth, to bless the world. And so God, with Abram, showed he is the initiator. He is the caller. He is the great doer. And of course, Jesus himself did this in the calling of the disciples. In Matthew chapter 4, as Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and they followed him. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with their father Zebedee, preparing their nets. And Jesus called them. And immediately they left their boat and their father, and they followed him. You see, God in the Old Covenant, God in the New Covenant, calls a people to himself. In fact, he interrupts whatever they're doing and says, leave your comforts in this life. Be willing to leave your family, leave your nets, and come and follow me, and I will repurpose you. I will give you something to do for me. And so God calls people out of the world to himself. And those who are called by God, he says he makes them to be his treasured possession. That he has a unique relationship with them, a loving relationship a covenantal relationship. In Deuteronomy chapter 7, he said of the old covenant church, you are a people holy to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you out of all the peoples on the face of the earth to be his people, his treasured possession. And in the new covenant, in 1 Peter chapter 2, we're told the same thing. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful life. 
Now, God has always been calling a people to himself. He's made them to be his special and unique treasured possession in the earth. And he has literally renamed those people, giving them a new name. And he has repurposed those people, giving them a new purpose. And you've seen that this morning, that God has done that very thing visibly in our midst. He calls children forward, families forward, and he gives them something. He gives them himself and his promises. And by faith, we are that treasured possession, those beloved people that never deserved such attention. But he shows it and he offers it freely and fully. He offers a new name, a new purpose, a complete new identity in Christ. And to help us understand this, to help God's people, Old Covenant or New Covenant, to understand this, God has always physically marked his people that they might know that he has said something about them that is to believe and that that something distinguishes them from the world. It seals his promise, it sets them apart, and they are now distinguished from the world. Three quick points about that. The church physically marked by God, and that marking is to communicate a spiritual reality of their belonging to the Lord. The spiritual reality of their belonging to the Lord. In the Old Covenant, this marking was memorable. It was a painful marking. It was a bloody marking. And it was for males only. We're told of that also in Genesis chapter 17, verses 10 through 13. Listen carefully to this marking that God gave in the Old Covenant. This is my covenant with you and your descendants after you. The covenant you are to keep, every male among you shall be circumcised. You are to undergo circumcision, and it will be the sign of the covenant between me and you. For the generations to come, every male among you who is eight days old must be circumcised, including those born in your household or bought with money from a foreigner. Those who are not your offspring, whether born in your household or bought with money, they must be circumcised. Now, I know what you're thinking. How about going to a little bit more discussion and explanation of that circumcision? Well, that's where I draw your attention to our assistant pastor and minister of covenant families, Archie Moore, who will be happy to have that detailed conversation with you. I don't have time to do that now other than to say God has always marked his people. And the old covenant, it taught something of blood, of sacrifice, of cutting off, and it warned God's people. You are to remain in the Lord. You are set apart by him. You are distinguished. And that mark was always before the people, so to speak. It wasn't something you could easily forget. But in the New Covenant, in the New Testament, 
there is a different kind of marking for God's people. And it's not painful. It's not bloody. Doesn't hurt at all. In fact, our little ones this morning didn't even cry as they received the washing with water to mark them, to distinguish them and set them apart as uniquely belonging to the Lord in the earth. In the new covenant, that washing with water by baptism, that pouring of water, that sprinkling of water, that immersion of water, the mode does not matter to us. What matters is that that universal cleansing agent of water is used to seal and signify the truth of the gospel for those who come to God in faith in Jesus. Colossians chapter 2, verses 11 and 12. In him you were also circumcised with a circumcision not performed by human hands. Your whole self, ruled by the flesh, was put off when you were circumcised by Christ having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through your faith in the working of God, who raised him from the dead. And here the Apostle Paul shows that was a bloody, painful marking in the Old Covenant, now superseded with a washing, a cleansing ritual, belonging to the people of God to offer them the truth of God's redeeming love and the promise that he makes to sinners who come to him in faith. That mark that God has given his people, Old Testament and New, was a mark to help us remember. It was a mark to help us know and understand and believe that the gospel is true, that God is one who shows mercy to those who come to him in faith. And it also serves as a warning. A warning that you should not ever think that you don't need this washing, that you don't need this cleansing, and that you're to remain in that relationship with the Lord all the days of your life. You're not to depart. You're not to walk away. And so the marking, whether old covenant or new, is to remind us of our identity that a new name has been put upon us. When we baptize these children, when we baptize adults, the name of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is spoken and poured upon the child or the adult. That's the new name. And with it comes the new purpose of bearing the family name well in the earth. All the days of your life. And with children, our great hope is they will grow up to the point of professing that faith as their own. And when they do, they come to the Lord's table after professing their faith, after demonstrating their trust, their belief in the gospel. And all of this is so beautifully symbolized in that pouring and in that washing. Years ago, when I was the campus minister at Erskine, I had an intern Many of you will remember this family. His name was Cam Smith, and he would marry an Erskine student eventually, a girl by the name of Kayla Brown. And the Smith family would move on from Erskine and go to seminary 
find themselves in ministry working with RUF and uh, something happened with their youngest child whose name was Zoe. Zoe, when she was just a little one, a very small one, uh, pulled, poured some hot water that was on the table, accidentally poured a carafe of, of hot water or coffee and burned her arm very badly. Some of you remember this because she went into the hospital, she would get staph infection, and her life would be at risk. She spent weeks in the hospital. We prayed for the protection of her life. We prayed that God would spare her. And there were moments where it looked like that prayer would be answered no. But thankfully, in God's grace, that prayer was answered yes. And her life was spared. But a few years after that, probably two years after that event, I saw little Zoe. And she was wearing a strapless shirt that showed her arms. And there on her shoulder, you could see this, this large burn mark. A mark that would be with her and will be with her for the rest of her life. It's a mark that's not going away. It was interesting to see her as she went around with all the families. And she would hold that arm up. And she would walk up to strangers. And you know what she would say? She said, this is my boo-boo. And it shows me how much God loves me. Because she had been told by her parents how many people had prayed for her life, had loved her family, had loved her, had cared for her. And she went around with a confidence. Not that she had an ugly scar on her arm, but that she had something beautiful. This is my boo-boo, and it reminds me how much God loves me. And this morning, I want you to think about how that is precisely true about the marking that God gives his people, whether children or adults who come to profess faith in him. He gives us a marking, a washing to remind us how much he loves his church. Something that gives us confidence and assurance of God's love. That we're not left unmarked in this world, seeking a purpose on our own, seeking an identity on our own. We've been marked with the gospel itself. The hope of washing and the forgiveness of sins. And so just a few comments, because I realize you're coming from various backgrounds and perspectives, and I want to be as clear and as helpful as possible. Here's a few things that baptism is not, and here are a few things that baptism is. First of all, baptism is not our statement about the one being baptized. Baptism is God's statement about the one being baptized. Secondly, baptism is not an award of merit. It's not earned by the one who is baptized. That one has not proved themselves worthy in anything that they have done. And thirdly, baptism is not a guarantee that the one baptized will persist in the faith. Rather, it is a call to persist in that faith to remain in that Lord. So, four things that baptism is. 
Baptism is that validating mark of membership into the covenant community, into the church family. Secondly, it is the initiation of lifelong discipleship and a call to persist in the faith. Thirdly, it is a beautiful, visible picture of the gospel, and it is to be remembered. It is to be remembered by you. Even as you see one baptized, it should call you to remember, I too, if you've been baptized, I too have been washed. I've been set apart. I've been distinguished, not because of anything I did, but because of God's mercy. And now I walk with confidence in a sinful world that I am a washed sinner and must remain with God and with his people. And then fourthly, it is the giving and the receiving of a family name, a new identity, a new purpose for the glory of God. And it is quite simply the marking that lasts for a lifetime and that distinguishes us from the world. And we are awesomely distinguished. We are set apart. We are different. Not because of anything we have done, but because of God's mercy in Christ Jesus. I'll close with this illustration. In my library, I have a book seal, a metal seal that my wife gave me when I was in seminary. It's in seminary that you start to accumulate a lot of books, right? It's very easy for those books to find their way out of your library. Somebody borrows them. They forget who that book belonged to, and it remains in somebody else's library for the long haul. My wife gave me a metal seal, metal stamp, a press. And anytime I'm given a new book, I go to the first page in that book, and I put that seal on it, and I squeeze it. I press that seal, and it embosses, it presses into that paper. This book belongs to Paul G. Patrick, the library of Paul G. Patrick. So I press every book that I've been given. I was given a book this morning. I made sure that they were giving it to me and not lending it to me. They said they were giving it to me. You get the press, you mark it. You mark it for life that this book will forever belong in my library and should never be found in another library. It is owned by me. It is my property. In the same way, God has marked us with a seal of authority. It is our duty and our responsibility to remain in that faith. And our great prayer this morning and our pledge as a church family was to help these parents rear their children in the Lord. And we do that through Sunday school and vacation Bible school and through youth group, through friendship, through relationship. All of us contributing some faithful witness to all the families who join in membership and pledge their children to be disciples of Jesus Christ. The church, according to Scripture, 
begins with the mark of membership, a mark of ownership that God gives his people. It is to assure you of his love. It is to remind you in your darkest moments that you have been set apart. You belong to another, and we should never, ever forget it. Baptism, according to Scripture, is a mark for life. It is the grace of God, and it's what He offers you. Maybe you're hearing this morning and you've not been baptized. Maybe somehow busyness of life or, or moving from church to church, town to town. Maybe this morning you can't remember your baptism or what you've been told of it by your family or church family. If that's true... This is an open invitation. We would love for you to be baptized into the Christian faith, to become a member of the church family, but that's your initiative. That's for you to do. But if you've heard and seen things today of the gospel that make you think, I want that marking, God offers that marking, and there's no reason for me not to have that marking because I want to be a disciple of his. Hear the open invitation of his church. Come and see, come and join him, come and worship. Feel free to talk to me about this, talk to Archie about this, any of the elders. It would be our great joy to see God continue to grow his family, even at GPC. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you that in all of our insecurity in this sinful world, you offer us something to help us remember your love something to see you visibly at work in families, something that gives us a longing to belong. And so, Lord, would you bless your church family and what we've heard. As we live life this week, would you remind us, we have been set apart. We are not our own. We have been bought with a price. And, Lord, give us all the assurance of your love in the gospel that we're dying to believe. And we pray this together in Jesus' name. Amen.